0: Know how to target vulnerable people. Not stupid people, not desperate people, vulnerable people. And they know right who to look for. Single mom, not much of a social life. What a nice guy. Yeah, sure. Let's continue this conversation. Maybe we can get together. You know, my son is with his grandpa this weekend. Let's get together. And that's how it starts. And they know this.
1: Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Dyrdek, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening, because this is Travis Makes Friends. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I'm making friends with Chris. Hanson, Chris, have a seat. Thank you, Travis. You took my line. But, yeah, uh, I'll let you do it <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, on this episode, for those of you watching and listening, you may be familiar with my producer, Eric. I asked Eric to sit in on this episode because Eric's podcast, Preacher Boys talks a lot about abuse within the religious subsect that we both grew up in, in the independent fundamental Baptist world. And so Eric has been looking forward to this conversation as well. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I know we're limited on, on time. You got a new show coming out, lots of stuff happening. So before we jump into some backstory and context, let's throw a quick plug in at the very beginning so people know what you got going on sure. and why we're even here at South Point to be. Well,
0: in Vegas here at the South Point Casino, we're doing a live interactive multimedia show on February 3rd, 4th, and 5th called, you know, predators I've caught with Chris Hansen. So it's a tell-all taking people behind the scenes of 19 years of investigation. So people are gonna see things they haven't seen before, hear things they haven't seen before, and have a chance to interact with me, and we'll have some items on set actually from the investigations yes. that, that people get a chance to interact with. But it, I'm excited about it, because I think it's an extension of what we've been doing at True Blue, our new streaming network, with crime reporting and continuing to do the predator investigations and to bring people inside of it. And at the end of the day, obviously there's entertainment value. Mm -hmm. There's a dark, humorous level to it, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. But it all brings attention to a very important topic. And it's a crime where there is no demand reduction, right? Mm. It's not like the drug problem. So your best defense is education and awareness, and how you teach kids yeah. to be safe. Just like mm-hmm. you know, some of the guys you profile in your your investigations and your your shows to protect themselves. And that's really what it's about. If you can get inside the mind of a predator, understand a little bit how that works. You're the voice of a victim.
1: You can prevent other people from becoming victims. So February third, fourth, and fifth, and fifth right here at the South here Point, South Point yeah. Hotel in Vegas. So. I know everybody out there is always looking for an excuse to come to Vegas, so now you have one. (laughs) February third, fourth, and fifth, we're gonna try to come through uh, with with me and my wife, him and his wife, and everything to support, yeah, uh, great support the whole thing. Be a great time. So, rewind the clock, Chris. I want to go back in time. Whenever I talk with anybody, and I say this a lot, so people that are listening might think this is repetitive. (laughs) Whenever I talk with somebody who has who has taken something and turned it into just a very eclectic and interesting career. I never seemed to find that that person wrote this on like the "What I Want to Be When I Grow Up" form when you were nine. Yeah, it's so. not a career
2: day thing. Yeah, like, it it wasn't was the booth yeah. in this business. You know, if you
0: wait till career day, it's too late. Yeah. You know, but, but I, I, I did always want to be a television reporter. Okay, okay. from a very early age, we grew up in uh, suburban Detroit, a mile and a half from where Jimmy Hoffa was last seen and presumably kidnapped. I became fascinated at fifteen years old used to ride my bike up to the crime scene and and we had neighbors who were involved in the investigation. The network news guys were there, the local news Mm -hmm. guys, the FBI, the police. And So I guess I got bit by the bug a little bit back then. So when I went to Michigan State at college, I just walked over from the dorm and signed up for the the campus radio news network. And suddenly one day I was a reporter. What
1: did your parents do?
0: My dad was in the auto industry in sales. That makes sense in Detroit. Yeah, right? in Detroit, like <laughs> virtually everybody else in the neighborhood. And my mom was a, a, a stay-at-home mom for many years until she decided to go show homes at a development near our neighborhood. A luxury home development was built on, when I was growing up, what was 40 acres of woods. And she turned that into being head of sales for a major luxury home builder and, okay. and had quite a successful career herself late. In life, I mean, I don't nice. think she started this till fifties, till she was in her fifties, and and it always it was a great source of pride for me to see how she was able to do this in yeah. professionalism uh, that she had. And, and my wife and I will be at social settings. We have an apartment in New York City and a home in Michigan still, suburban in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And people will come up to us and say, "Your mother sold us a home." <laughs> you know, 20 years That's ago. That's hilarious. And she treated us like she would treat you or your two sisters. And that was one of the secrets to her success was she cared, hmm. whether you're the wealthiest person or you're kind of ham and egg in it to try and get in this living yeah. home. Right. You know, she would tell you, this is what you could do, this is what you can't do. And, and she cared about every detail in those homes hmm. and was the liaison between, you know, the owner of the home building company, was a family owned company, and the the buyer and would make sure all the finishing touches were done to their satisfaction, and, and and she was great. She made a great living.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Did they? Was there any pressure or encouragement to do a certain something with your life at all, or was it just like go to school, get a good job, do was, what you want to do? It
0: was. There was no, you know, intense pressure. Nobody went to an Ivy League school, or mm-hmm. I mean, there was an expectation of going to college in those sure. days. My mom was very supportive and you know when my dad would be traveling for his job she would make sure that you know i was out the door at eight o'clock to go yeah. caddy or you know work at mr pastry's bakery or whatever i was doing so
1: they very much encouraged us oh yeah right? i mean i worked
0: yeah. from the age of 13 there you, go. you know whether yeah. it was hauling golf bags at the local country club or doing whatever i was doing i always joked that i only had three prior jobs to being a journalist and it was caddying Mr. Pastry's Bakery as a baker's apprentice, hauling drywall, and then journalism—that's <laughs> yeah, it. Well, that's had. the traditional path if you <laughs> yeah, want to be a exactly. journalist. So, if you're listening, that's yeah. the step. Well, the hauling <laughs> drywall with guys from the inner city did uh, did give me a great education, sure. one that you could not get just at Michigan right. State University. I mean, in, in terms of life lesson and um, dealing with people from all walks of life, mm. and, and empathy, and, respect, well, hard work. Yeah, you know, imagine being 17 years old, graduating from Brother Rice High School, showing up to work hauling drywall, which you're not really sure what that entails, but no. you know that the company's owned by a pal of your dad's. And you're going to make 750 an hour, which in 1977 was a boatload of money and yeah. paid for a lot of tuition. And you jump in the truck with Lee Arthur Ramsey, and your job is to take one part of this two-sheet-bound drywall package weighing hundreds of pounds, and get it to the next direction without breaking your partner's back, who's an adult yeah. who's supporting his family by doing this, not just doing it for the summer. Mm. Jump in the truck, <clears throat> it's a pack of cigarettes on the, on the dashboard, he looks at me and says, you smoke your a cigarette? I go, no, I don't smoke you. are good. You need all the breath you got. Let's go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was my partner for the next three years. That's fantastic. It's a great guy. Great lessons. Well, there's always, like, I mean, journalism is broad. There's a lot of different sure. stories oh, you can yeah. cover. What made you push in the direction of Predators. I know it was supposed to be originally a one-off story originally, and then it took off. Like what drove you to the story initially?
0: Well, I was always interested in investigative crime-type stories, Mm -hmm. um, enterprise stories, uh, things where we employed hidden cameras. And so when I learned about this online watchdog group, Perverted Justice, I started to think if we could use their ability to be decoys online and our ability at the network to wire a house with hidden cameras and microphones, it could be pretty compelling. So at the time, Perverted Justice would put decoys in the chat rooms, and if an adult approached one of the decoys, posing as a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, obvious profile, and there was a sexual liaison plan, they would post this person's picture and identity on the website. Hmm. But we took it a step further. We created a scenario where we would come face-to-face with this potential child predator and confront them. So we did so in Bethpage Long Island and I was driving out there and I wondered, you know, did we just blow tens of thousands of dollars of yeah. the network's money and nobody was going to show up hmm. which is always, you know, if it was sure. easy everybody could do it, sure. you know? mm-hmm. So, we didn't partner or collaborate with law enforcement for that or the second investigation and. You know, I'm driving out there, and my producer calls and says, where the hell are you? We've got two guys scheduled in 45 minutes. And, you know, two and a half days later, 17 guys had surfaced in that oh, investigation, oh, including goodness. a New York City firefighter. So the story, Oof. the show kind of sat at the network for a minute. yeah. And people were in the executive ranks trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? How do we do it? You know, this is obviously... Phenomenally compelling material. Right. I mean, stuff that has never been seen on television before. How do we do it? And I remember being in a meeting, and we shot this in February 2004. Now we're in late summer, early fall, and I'm sort of pushing to get this on TV. Yeah. And an executive looks at me and says, I just don't know how to promote it. And I, much to the shock of everybody in the room, I said, You know how to promote this? Here's how you promote it. There's a man on your back porch with his penis in his hand, and he wants to stick it in your daughter, tonight we're gonna to tell you how to prevent that from happening.
2: I don't remember that TV spot. No, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a spot, but I was
0: so frustrated at not getting it on the air, yeah, that that's right. basically. It's like, let me be as blunt as possible. Yeah, this compelling I did it for yeah, shock value. Marketing piece. Yeah, and so, you know, everybody's looking at me like, Hanson's probably lost his mind. <laughs> and, 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 and there was a to collective, that, yeah, yeah, there was a collective, I mean, everybody was on, I'm, I'm being, you know, Sarcastic here and facetious yeah. for, to make a point, but everybody sort of understood. Okay, let, it's time. Sure, yeah. we're going to do the best we can with this material. It's, you know, pushes the boundaries of yeah. what you can put on primetime television.
1: It's a proceed with caution. And so there, there,
0: and there yeah. was a real, there was a legitimate concern. I, people weren't trying to hush it up or cover it up or anything. I don't yeah. didn't need to insinuate that. Everybody wanted this to go on TV, and so we did it and it had quite a quite a response and so we did it again and the third time we collaborated with law enforcement and you know some of the cases were prosecuted in the first two investigations but at the end of the day these guys would walk out the door and so it wasn't really the most socially responsible way to proceed mm-hmm. and from a television production standpoint it was rather unfulfilling to see these guys walk away mm. even though in some of the cases they were later prosecuted so we did from then on and Up until, you know, including the new investigations we're doing now as we speak, Mm -hmm. we collaborate with law enforcement. Mm. And it's the only responsible way to do it. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you're taking a big responsibility on your shoulders.
0: Well, right. And, you know, when we used perverted justice decoys, you know, that was a sound way to proceed. They're no longer in existence. It is also a cleaner prosecution to employ. The law enforcement decoys, so yeah. in most cases, that's what we do,
1: we rely on law enforcement for that. And it's a just a better way to operate. When you're walking through some of these doors and facing these people that you've been tracking and you know that they're there for these insidious reasons, are, are you nervous? Like, are you heart pumping, like?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, I mean.
1: Did I, that go away or subside with
0: time? It, it You manage it, I've learned from sources in law enforcement and, and people who do things like I do, the day you get lazy and think that, or not lazy, mm-hmm. but you know, lax about mm-hmm. procedure and, and you're not completely focused, that's when stuff happens that mm-hmm. you don't want to happen. So I'm always aware vigilant, of the situation, but it happens quickly and you're looking at the man's hands, you're looking at the body language. And again, law enforcement's very close by. Yeah, We have this set up to be absolutely as safe as it can possibly be. But there's no doubt that the inherent risk is part of what draws people to watch it. Sure. And we are covering the commission of a felony. So, you know, there's there's inherent risk here. But I think for what it is, we make it absolutely as safe as possible. And I, you know, the times I've almost got my ass kicked, we're not doing predator stories or going over to Cambodia to expose child sex trafficking or going to Africa to expose, you know, Al-Qaeda dealing in blood time. It's the most uh, danger I've ever been is, you know, exposing a bike thief in, in uh, Greenwich Village and, you know, going after a counterfeit phone part salesman in a mall in Connecticut. Those are the last <laughs> two times that I almost got, you know, into a fight. So that's
1: go true. figure, you know, you just always find that ironic, <laughs> yeah. you know? the seemingly Sorry. least dangerous <laughs> on. ones. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, we're in Connecticut, all right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, That's fantastic. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need hire, you need Indeed. When you started realizing that the show was going to have some success, that that things were moving in the right direction, was there any sort of questions that you were having for yourself at that point in terms of like, is this something like, cause you're talking about responsibility. Is this something that we should keep doing? How, how do we go about doing this the right well, way? Well, I think
0: it raised a lot of questions about that. And I think there were those in traditional journalism who turned their nose up at it a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it shaming people? Is it, is it, you know, what's the purpose of it? And I maintain that because it is a crime or a demand reduction doesn't work. It's not mm-hmm. like the drug problem that the best way to approach it to combat it is through education and awareness and to have a dialogue with your children mm-hmm. that prevents them from becoming targets mm-hmm. and that's a that's a tall order it's a big ask but i think our stories continue that dialogue and again you know people don't always watch them for that reason yeah. there are darkly humorous moments as we mentioned but you know, I don't mind that because it continues to, to, to create awareness. We're doing a big, big story for True Blue on sextortion. And these kids who are targeted online and scammers pretend to be girls yeah. and they send a sexually explicit photo to a young man and they get him to send a sexually explicit photo back and then they blackmail him. And sometimes these scam artists are half a world away in Africa or wherever. And these kids get so shocked. And they're 16, 17 years old. Their brains aren't formed all the way. They're straight-A students. Oh, my God, what's going to happen if they send this picture to grandma? And they commit suicide. There have been at least a dozen suicides that we know of in our investigation in these sextortion cases. I was at the San Jose Police Department last week. They had four sextortion reports in one day, the day before I was doing the interviews. And I sat there with grieving parents who... Tell me what a wonderful boy their son was. Mm -hmm. And they're still coming to grips with the fact that he didn't come forward and say, I effed up. Yeah. Let's get through it. And the parents, like, you know, there's no risk here to you. We would have got through this. We would have scrubbed the internet. Who's going to see it anyway? But in their mind, in that snapshot of time, they were so shocked and embarrassed that they took their own lives. Wow. And to me, you know, that's the kind of story that you have to really get out there. Mm-hmm. And on many levels, and that, that's what True Blue allows us to do, is to turn these things around. You know, I've been in this business 40 years, so I have access, I have a brand, and we use it for these types of things that will not only reach people on our streaming platform, but also we can then produce a version that we can give to schools across the country and police departments around the country, and fine, take it. Yeah, you know, we've right. already had our commercial bite at it sure, sure, on our own streaming network. Yeah. So share it. Give it away. Let people watch it and use that brand in whatever school cafeteria or, or gymnasium around the country that might help somebody from not doing that. It's a waste of a life. Oh, and it just, okay. it, you know, I approach this stuff
2: as a parent. Right. Yeah. Right. That's and what I, I wanted to ask, like, because you were a parent doing To Catch a Predator. Yeah. So, like, I know for me doing my show for the last three years, like, it's hard not to be paranoid. Yeah. Because it is the least suspecting people. It's like you said, there's a. NY, you know, New York yeah. firefighter. There's police the officers. Men, you yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah, We've, clergy, found we've yeah. had clergy come into our sting operations. Yeah. How did you navigate that as a parent where you're like, you want to let your kids still have a normal childhood, but also you've seen, I mean, you've seen what's on air, but you've also seen in the investigations. Well, we watched it together,
0: you know, and to me, part of parenting is tricking your kid into doing what you want them to do without them and let them think it's their idea. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I wish I had... Thought it up myself, but I borrowed it from a, a, a parent, <laughs> my parents' age. I don't remember being overly paranoid about it. I mean, I, I, there were boys doing boys stuff and, and, you know, I always tried to lead by example as best as I could and, and have them a part of the process. I mean, they're in the business now. One's behind the camera one's in front of the camera. So oh, really? mm, they're doing okay. their own thing now. They're 31 and 28. And, um, I mean, there's one funny story that you know, one of my youngest son, at the you know early stages of of Facebook, they created a fan page for a teacher, and they had a, it was a Catholic school, and they had a a statue of Christ in there, and they made some fun of the teacher, and they uh, got in trouble for it, Mm -hmm. and so I get a call from the headmistress of the school, and. and I'm panicky because I'm in a car ahead of the airport. And, you know, why is the head of the school calling? And right. she says, there's something about your son. And I said, what happens? I says, is everybody okay? Yeah, it's okay. But they created a Facebook. I go, oh, no, what do they do? And so they, they, you know, Mr. So-and-so was great. And it should have been a situation where Mr. So-and-so made him run five laps on the football field yeah. and been done with it, but instead it elevated into this big thing. And, and <laughs> he learned his lesson. But, you know, that in terms of online stuff, we we're very fortunate that that's about as... Seriousness that's a, no, as that's a, 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 but,
2: very devious, yeah. yeah. But again, sinister we sinister as it were. We were,
0: yeah, sinister was. But we were on the early stages of this. Yeah. Now, it was, stuff was going on, yeah. right? And I'm sure there's stuff that happened that I don't know about as a parent, that yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, even sure. being an investigative reporter that was kept, you know, swept under the rug for me at the time, yeah. <laughs> as, so, as so many times happens. But I think it got more difficult to navigate mm-hmm. right after those years, because when we were doing Predator, you know, they were young, but, you know, they had enough of a watchdog over them between parents that, you know, I don't, I don't think anything serious happened.
2: How's it changed all the investigations and things with how much? Because, like, it's chat rooms right. on AOL versus now there's Facebook, Instagram. Well, it's
1: so Snapchat. It's so like, diffuse
0: now, you know. Yeah. I mean, when we started this, we merely had decoys on AOL and Yahoo. And mm. that's where all the activity was. Maybe, Yahoo. Maybe MySpace, <laughs> you know, remember yeah. that. And now there are countless I mean, social really. media platforms. Yeah. And so there's more activity, more nefarious activity than ever before, but it's so diffuse that it's hard to catch these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got online gaming, you've got all the platforms that you guys are aware of, that I'm aware of, and stuff that we don't even know about yet. Right. And yeah. then it all switches over to you know, one-on-one DMing or, or uh, you know, texting, But it happens even in the most innocent of platforms, or what we think they are. We have a case right now, we're doing a whole hour special for True Blue on a 12-year-old girl who was approached by a guy in Florida. A girl was in Michigan, approached, groomed, set up a meeting, he flies up from Florida, has the 12-year-old girl sneak out of her bedroom window, meet him in a church parking lot. He takes her to a hotel, sexually assaults her. She uh, goes to the emergency room, predictable injuries, they report it. They find, they go back through the chance. they find the surveillance video at the hotel, they find the rental car receipt, they trace him all the way back to Florida, the Genesee County Sheriff's Department in Michigan goes back down there, finds him, braces him, he gives him a statement, turns out that he had been stalking the family. We find out just the other night, we find out, got his text, that he's in a Walmart where the girl and her parents are telling her to go into a family restroom so they can initiate, start this relationship. And, you know, imagine how chilling that is. And then he gets her to sneak out the, the window of her home and assaults her. And they bring him up and he cops out. He admits to two other sexual assaults that went down the same way in other states. Wow. So here's a guy, Peter Pechek is his name, and, and so he's going to be the you know target of one of
2: our big investigations, probably in the next week or two out of True Blue. Well, that's so scary the scary thing; never won, you know. No, guess, and
0: it's it's and all yeah. these guys over and over again. This is my first time. I'll never yeah. do it again. You know. Well, like I wasn't this. going to. Yeah, yeah. I was. I just we had a guy. Yeah. We just put up uh, on True Blue the most recent one. He shows up at a house. He's got a jar of weed as big as your, your water cup there condoms money all kinds of stuff and i was just here to you know to help her out to keep, get her out of this this bad tragedy. well
2: that's that's my favorite is the, the, i was concerned for her so yeah, i came to I was check concerned
0: for, and the kicker to that is it gets to the point where i say well there's something you need to know and um i'm chris hansen he said i knew that i said well how did you know he goes, i'm 49 years old i watch tv everybody knows that so well, what are you doing here we're getting now i yeah. mean like generational, like no, it's generational. Yeah. We have generational yeah. followers. We're yeah. the third generation of followers now because you know kids pick this up on on social media, on YouTube, right. and these all these other platforms, yeah. as well as the original ones. But these guys, more often than not, will say in the chat logs, "Hey, you know this isn't a Chris Hansen thing, is it? Or this isn't a Sheriff So and So thing? No, and they, come, <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: it they, is not. No, know, I who, promise. Who, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Who, who's that? You know, right. And they show yeah. up anyway. We get fanboys now." I mean, it's shocking yeah, me. It's crazy.
1: That's we'll probably have whole trainings on how to spot a Chris Hansen yeah. text. Yeah. That's
2: that's interesting. Well, I I mean, obviously, I watched the show. And I was thinking back. I was talking to my wife about it. I was, like, thinking about when I started watching it. Because I remember watching it with my dad, like, young. Yeah. You know, having conversations about, like, how dumb these guys are and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, like, now through the podcast, through the show, through the streaming service, you've kept, sh- you know, sharing the message in different ways. So the show you're doing in Vegas, like... What is that approach, and how do you when you hear live show to get the credit Is there a plant in the audience? <laughs> yeah, like how are we? <laughs> it's a very elaborate situation. Setup, yeah. yeah, I mean,
0: it's a very unique franchise. You know, yeah, it's not like one of those. You know, when the state police has the TV giveaway for all the yeah. people that are behind their check, check the chair next <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah, oh, you, you also want to <laughs> <laughs> There's no no sting that we're aware of there. No, but I, I think it's an opportunity to to satisfy people's curiosity, yeah. this intent, uh, this intense um, interest in what we do and how we do it, yeah. you know, and it's a very, I, I don't know if intimate is the right word, but it is, it's interactive, maybe is the better word, yeah. to have people in a room that's not too big, uh, and to, to talk about this, and to show some things they haven't seen before, and to get behind the scenes in essentially a tell-all, mm-hmm. and a tell-all in a good way, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and because there's, people always ask, you know, is there anything you haven't shown? Is there everything we don't know? And, and, and for the most part, we have everything out there in the shows. We don't hold anything back. But there are there's context to it that I can give in a show like this mm-hmm. um, yeah. here at the South Point in February that you can't you can't give in a in a five, 10, 12 minute piece. Sure. And that's what this is about. And I've had you know I've given a lot of speeches and talks to different groups over the years in different places. And, and you know now that COVID is pretty much opened up again so we can do this. It was a great opportunity to to start here. And it's a template that we can use at college campuses across the country mm-hmm. and for groups who, you know, seek to educate
1: people on this very topic. Yeah. So you have now your own streaming platform mm-hmm. called True Blue, which you just launched very recently. The whole idea behind it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is basically a platform dedicated to essentially true crime, these types exactly. of state operations. What... Besides, you're you're doing a show there. What are some of the other types of shows that people can expect to watch? Well, for instance, we have a
0: uh, one coming out called "The Facebook Fiend," okay. where a number of young women had been victimized by a guy who posed as this new agey, you mm-hmm. know, uh, musician. And he would set up meetings. He would sexually assault them, physically assault them, take money from them, and these these, these this grooming would take place over a period of weeks, and these women were so upset that they couldn't get their story told and they weren't getting you know, interest that they thought they should get from law enforcement. And it was all around mm-hmm. the country. I mean, it was Arizona and Washington State mm-hmm. and Maryland and this guy was very prolific. And he's a total sociopath. And so they came to me. Mm-hmm. And we started putting it together and this is why true blue is so great because
1: we can respond to these things right yeah within weeks of them coming to me we're doing interviews because your mission isn't like we need views on a network your mission is we need to get as many of these stories out as we can well
0: exactly i mean look yeah. we need views sure right we're not doing this for free yeah i mean yeah. we need to cover the you know what we do here so so there's a, obviously a commercial aspect to it but also we cut through all the bureaucracy of, of a, a big network yeah right we don't have 12 months of a meetings and B meetings and green light meetings and the agent pairs you up with a production company and they go pitch it and they don't, they may give you seed money for the sizzle, but then they don't want the sizzle because their budget's messed up for that year and could we do it next year and now we go to a different network. It, it's mind-numbing. Now I call Sean Rack, who is my partner at True Blue, and say, I need a crew on Thursday. Conrad shows up with his gear and crew on Thursday yeah. and we shoot the story. That sounds much better. Now because it is much better. <laughs> and and look, I'm in a stage of my career where I can do this. Yeah. Right. But because of the investigation, partly because of our investigation into the Facebook fiend, charges were filed in Washington State. And because of our investigation, they were able to determine that he was in New York mm. and they were able to get a warrant mm. and they were able to get the marshals to grab him. Awesome. And they went on and got him and bring him back to Washington to face criminal charges. Now I've watched a lot of these cases and a lot of these predators, all kinds of predators, know how to target vulnerable mm-hmm. people, not stupid people,
2: yeah.
0: not desperate people, vulnerable people and they know right who to look for Mm. single mom not much of a social life what a nice guy yeah sure let's continue this conversation maybe we can get together you know my son is with his grandpa this weekend
1: let's get together that's how it starts and they know this what's your advice to somebody like there's so much Good things that come from oh, absolutely. From DMing people on social yeah. media or from we get stories all uh, the time. Yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great couples have come out have, of it. I have
0: friends who met and married because of their sure. relationship on yeah. social media. Sure.
1: So, so what do you do? Like, hey, if if this person invites you to their hotel room, probably not a good fit. No. But like, go to a. Busy area, meet first time. It's to be in restaurant you know, somewhere and, and, and or whatever. Look,
0: we're doing another story on you know dating sites. Mm. You know, we have a whole franchise that we're developing on you know to catch a surreal bad guy dater. You yeah, know, uh, and there's a lot of common sense that has to go into it. And when I preach to kid, parents and to kids, if you don't know somebody in real life, you don't know them online. Mm-hmm. And the guy who sends a picture of a. You know, a good looking surfer dude from San Diego could be a fat 68 year old mm. you know in his mother's basement uh, in his underwear surrounded by pizza boxes right you know so you don't know what you have and so you need to do your due diligence and it's sad that you know if you're a single guy or gal looking to, to you know create a relationship of some sort that you have to be a private detective yeah I mean it really <laughs> I mean, it's sad that you have to do that I mean you know in the old days you went to the the restaurant or the bar, or you met people at work, or, you know, but the pandemic largely changed all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people whose only relationships for yeah. a period of- Even yeah, coworkers, so you know? Yeah, I mean, totally... it's, it's, we're isolated. And it, when it comes to inappropriate contact between adults and children, it soared during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children will tell you, and there's mandatory reporting that goes to that organization, that those approaches went up 900% at the peak of the pandemic. Oh my God. So what does that tell you? Mm-hmm. And so it's across the board. It's not just adults trying to do horrible things to children. It's adults on adults. It's you know any yeah. kind of scam that you can possibly imagine.
2: I, I think you highlighted something. Because I, I know naysayers of you, and I see naysayers of what I do, sure. that go into, this is law enforcement. Let them cover it. Why right. are you talking about it? Why are you sharing it? And I think from what you just said, like one, there's too much for law enforcement to even possibly handle right. all of it. But on the other side, like, where do you see that responsibility kind of end with you exposing versus let's step away from this and just wait for law enforcement to handle this? Well, that's a very good question. I think I found the balance with the kind of proactive enterprise
0: journalism that, mm-hmm. that I practice. Um, it is not vigilante. Right. I mean, you see some of these people on. You're not know, turning the camera off when they no, get in the room. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I mean, not dog the Bounty Hunter. bursting the door. Yeah, we we you know we are covering the commission of a felony, and we hold people accountable. And because of my years doing it, law enforcement across the board will collaborate hmm. for the most part. I mean, obviously, look, there are big agencies that have bureaucracies that don't make it easy to do this, but right. we know which agencies to work with. It's not the vigilante thing where the guy does research, you know, finds a guy who's doing this and just jumps out of the bushes and makes 10 seconds of dramatic video. Yeah. There's a in, lot of those case, guys. There are a lot of those guys. Now, and, yeah. and those cases are very difficult to prosecute. And so you get a guy who's yeah. done something bad who walks. Now, I'm not you know, criticizing all of them. Some of them have done work that's led to prosecutions. Some are well-meaning. But more often than not, these vigilante groups are problematic for a lot of different reasons, including the fact that they're just out to get clicks and attention and and gain money. Now, I like clicks and attention, and I like to have a commercial enterprise. I get it. But the way we do it is much different than the way some of these other guys do it. There is plenty of room in society for citizen journalists and people who have podcasts and people who help solve crimes and create discussion and awareness as a whole industry onto itself of that Mm -hmm. and that's good citizen journalists should have a voice but It can go downhill quickly. Yeah, sure if done
1: irresponsibly and not ethically. Yeah. uh, Yeah I wish we had I wish we had a lot more time there. There's a lot more things that we can dive into I I promise I'll come back. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a part two. We'll do a part two um, uh, maybe head over to our studio (coughs) It's finished up to a part two to this but just before we take off, I want to rehighlight February third, fourth, and fifth. Right here, here at South Point in Vegas. Anybody that comes, let me know if you're coming into town. Love to meet up and say what's up to you because I'll I'll be in and around uh, that time period as well. And then True Blue. If you're watching, listening, any of these stories piqued interest. That's kind of where I want to wrap up. Is can you tell us something that's on True Blue that people will need to go check out? That was one of the crazier stories that you guys are covering currently.
0: Well, I mean, one of the upcoming documentaries is about a con woman named Tracy Hutsana, who spent some time here in Las Vegas, who now owns a couple of restaurants with her husband. This woman has been involved in the con game Mm -hmm. since she was like 15 years Mm -hmm. old, according to her own family. She was hired by a woman named Jumana Kidd, who's a television personality, the former wife of uh, Jason Kidd, the basketball star and and Dallas Mavericks coach. In the course of a a few months, Tracy Utsana was able to scam, steal, and divert upwards of $3 million from Jumana Kidd and her children. Oh my gosh. And this might have gone unprosecuted and and unknown to many people, but for Jumana, becoming a detective on her own, Mm and really bringing a great case to NYPD because the accounts, even though she lives in LA, the accounts were still in the New York area, mm-hmm. and the FBI, which investigated, and we got in very early on this case and have chased you know, Tracy Huitzana mm-hmm. around to hold accountable, and it's, a, it's an amazing yarn. Wow. Uh, so that's at the final stages of production now. Obviously, we've got all the new predator cases. We've got this extortion special coming out. We've got um, the uh, Facebook Fiend that's about to come out. And many, many others. And then we have some <clears throat> some lighter fare. Um, we have a, a whole series on, on firehouses around the country and, and the food they serve and the different recipes. It's, it's just mm. really fun. And then we have a, a whole cache of films and documentaries. My partner, Sean Reck, among other films he did before we became partners, did the the white boy documentary on white boy Rick, who was a drug dealer, teen drug dealer in yeah. Detroit. A story that I broke as a young reporter in Detroit in the oh, 80s. No okay. And that's how I met Sean, was he interviewed me for that film mm. uh-huh. six years ago, and we got to talking. And he had launched uh, American Gospel TV, okay, which is a, you know, a gospel-themed streamer. It's done very, very well. And uh, he, got, he got together with me and said,
1: let's do this for crime, and that's what we're doing.
2: Awesome. Love it,
1: love it. So if you're checking this out, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th here in Las Vegas. Um, and then uh, if you're watching this and it happens to be past that date, then go subscribe to True Blue. Check out some of the shows that Chris is putting out. It's always, always compelling, interesting, intriguing content. Watch TrueBlue.com, T-R-U-B-L-U, podcast, Predators I've Caught. Predators I've Caught, the podcast, yes. Yeah, so go check that one out. Totally free. Listen, whatever podcasting platform you're listening on right now, go check that one out as well. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, man. I pleasure. appreciate it. No, it was
0: a pleasure. Yes, Good luck with all your endeavors. Thank I you. appreciate Thank it. you. Okay, guys.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapelcom team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapelcom slash team.